Have the prophecies of the book of Revelation already been fulfilled? Proponents of a teaching known as preterism insist they have. But is this idea consistent with oneness Pentecostal theology? Join Dr. David K. Bernard as he explores the subject of Bible prophecy on this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first-century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this episode. There's a school of thought within Christianity known as preterism, which argues that the prophecies of both Daniel and Revelation have already been fulfilled. Proponents of preterism say that the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 by the Roman armies was essentially the culmination of Bible prophecy so that there won't be any future tribulation or uh, other so-called end-time events. And depending on the degree to which they accept this teaching, some preterists also don't believe that there will be a future rapture of the church. So my question for you is, is preterism consistent with oneness Pentecostal theology and if not, why not? No, preterism is not consistent with oneness Pentecostal theology. So let me explain. And by the way, there's a little book. I wrote a foreword to it uh, years ago called Upholding Our Future Hope. It's still available at PentecostalPublishing.com. The editor is uh, George or Jorge Medina, uh, Upholding Our Future Hope. And so f- first of all, let me just explain preterism. The full system of preterism basically says that all the the passages of Scripture that talk about the coming of the Lord refer to the destruction of Jerusalem by Roman armies in A.D. 70. So Jesus coming in the clouds is actually the Roman armies uh, trampling the city down, the dust of their feet creating clouds, and Jesus is symbolically appearing in judgment. So we don't look for a future rapture. Uh, we are actually living in this time uh, past all of the events of revelation into revelation 20 what what we would call the millennial kingdom we are living in god's kingdom so uh, a, a true preterist then would say uh, all the events of acts the gifts of the spirit speaking in tongues all that's gone it's over we're now living in revelation 20 So no, that would not be compatible with oneness Pentecostalism. However, there was a movement some years ago of oneness Pentecostal preachers trying to adopt preterism and adapt it. And so what it would be called could be called partial preterism because they still wanted to have the gifts of the spirit, but they wanted this system of preterism. And as a practical matter, it became very divisive. You know, we allow lots of liberty on interpretation of future events, such as the timing of the rapture and so forth, um, and interpretation of various statements in Revelation. We have different opinions. And so they took advantage of that, the, the idea that um, 
you know, people could have different views at the end time, but they didn't just say, we want to have this view. They basically said, if you don't have this view, you need to leave your church and come to our church because your church is in false doctrine. So obviously that became very divisive, causing people to leave churches, splitting some churches. And so the UPCI took an official position against all forms of preterism. So why? Well, first of all, the only way to justify preterism is by very allegorical interpretation of Scripture. You can't take Scripture very literally or at face value. And while we do know that uh, the book of Revelation, for example, has a lot of symbolism, we do still think it refers to real events. So when there's a symbol, it's a symbol of something concrete. So while when I say a literal interpretation, more technically, I would say we prefer a grammatical historical interpretation. That is, interpreted the text according to its grammatical uh, construction, interpreted according to its historical context. And that is described at great length in my book, Understanding God's Word, How to Interpret Scripture. But in layman's terms, we often say a literal or relatively literal interpretation, simply meaning take the words at their ordinary average, generally understood meaning. But I I use a more technical term, grammatical historical, because we're not denying that there are symbols. We're not denying there are figures of speech. But we say the context will help you determine when there are symbols and figures of speech, and those symbols and figures of speech still relate to an underlying reality that's literal and not spiritualized. And, and so to be more concrete, then, the preterists would have to interpret Scripture very allegorically, uh, basically say 90% of the book of Revelation is already irrelevant to us. There's no literal rapture of the church. There's no literal second coming. There's no literal millennial kingdom. All that is allegorical. And so I, I think we reject that form of interpretation because once you go down that road, you can – water baptism could be – optional. Uh, you know, just just about anything we think of could be explained away as not real, not necessary. So that's a big problem. Uh, also, it means the book of Revelation is re- irrelevant for most of the church age, uh, that basically by AD 70, almost all the book of Revelation is already fulfilled and done with. Um, first of all, that that also allegorizes so much of Revelation, because while the the destruction of Jerusalem was a traumatic event, and in some ways may have foreshadowed later events, just sitting down reading Revelation, all the judgments and all the terrible things, I don't think there's any way you can say that was all literally fulfilled in AD 70. You know, yes, that conquest of Jerusalem was traumatic for the people, but it was not a worldwide tribulation in in the way that we read the book of Revelation. So preterism would require us to say, Revelation is rendered obsolete by A.D. 70, and therefore, when God inspired it for 2,000 years, it's had no really no significance, no meaning, no purpose, no value, whereas the book of Revelation actually says, blessed are you if you read this book. And there's a historical problem because uh, just about every scholar of any stripe from very conservative to very liberal, they're going to put Revelation as one of the latest books, probably the end of the first century, AD 80s, or even more likely the 90s. And so then it would have been written after the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. So it wouldn't have been trying to prepare people for the events of AD 70. It wasn't even written then. And it would be foolish to try to backdate it and try to 
put its focus on the back when when uh, it's focused toward the future. And if you if you look at in in Revelation um, chapters two and three, where Jesus appears to John and he gives letters to seven churches that existed, he he goes on to say at the end of chapter one, I'm going to show you the things that are, but I'm going to show you the things that will come. So the book of Revelation is related to looking to the future, not to the past. So I think it, preterism fails because it requires an extremely allegorical interpretation of scripture that wipes out the the basics of the New Testament church, uh, such as the gifts of the spirit. It uh, pretty much makes the book of Revelation irrelevant. Uh, it requires, it doesn't take into account that revelation was written after AD 70 um, and is future oriented rather than past oriented. Uh, it, it uh, really removes the literal meanings of the rapture. So we have First Thessalonians chapter 4, where we have a very strong statement of, it, it doesn't use the English word rapture, but that says that, that the saints will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And the Latin word for uh, rapture means caught up. So it would deny the literal catching away of the saints that's clearly taught as a future event in First Thessalonians chapter 4. It would deny the literal second coming of Jesus Christ to earth, which is described in Revelation 19. It will deny the literal thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on earth, where he, where he brings peace and harmony, fulfills God's original plan for earth, which we find in Revelation chapter 20. Uh, it really denies the promise of Jesus in John 14, where he said, I, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. I'm coming to bring you to that place. And so preterism really wipes away many important promises of Scripture. And once those fall, then you really have no foundation for many other things. And that that's, of course, a brief introduction. Now, this idea of partial preterism, trying to weld uh, you know Pentecostal theology with this basically anti-Pentecostal doctrine, um, it really doesn't work. As I said, it's not logical. If you're going to accept preterism, you kind of have to accept the whole system. It's hard to pick and choose and, and so forth. It does. So this partial preterism does undermine. And you'll find in practice, churches and ministers who've embraced this have left our movement, not only just the organization, but their churches changed. They no longer preach the apostolic doctrine of the new birth. They no longer preach the apostolic doctrine of holiness. They no longer are concerned for ministerial ethics. They feel perfectly justified in splitting churches and undermining uh, people's connection to their local church. And so their fruit demonstrates um, that it's not correct. Now, while there can be a sincere, honest preterist, I'm just saying when you try to mix it with Pentecostal faith, this this is the result that we see. And so instead, we need to firmly believe and preach the catching away of the saints, uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ to earth, the millennial kingdom, and a real eternal life uh, in heaven with the Lord. If you enjoy this podcast, we encourage you to check out Dr. David K. Bernard's books. Dr. Bernard has written more than 30 books on biblical theology and Christian living and leadership. Visit PentecostalPublishing.com and search David Bernard for a list of available titles. 
Enter promo code DKB10 at checkout to save 10% on your order. That's PentecostalPublishing.com, promo code DKB10 to save 10% at checkout. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share apostolic life in the 21st century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.